see, we the leaders of the new school. Let my people vote, you know that we are the voices. E F R R C, we the leaders of the new school. Let my people vote, you know that we are the voices. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Our Voice Podcast. I am so excited tonight. We got a great guest, and we have an amazing guest host in Miss Sheena Mead. Say hi Hello. to everybody, Sheena. Hello, everyone out there. I'm so excited to be here, Neil. Uh, I know I'm better looking at Desmond, but I'm great to be here with the uh, FRC family today. Yes, you are. And you know how jealous he is. He's not here tonight, but he is getting honored at church with a nice uh, uh, award. It's Black History Month, so we know you're having fun, Des, uh, but uh, we know you wish you were here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick, I, I'm, I'm excited because we just, uh, FRC just had several hundred people up at Advocacy Day. We were in Tallahassee, and it was so cool to see beautiful. people, wasn't it? It was beautiful. This was the fourth year, correct? Yep. And what folks may not know, that Advocacy Day was a, uh, it was a brainchild of Neil and Sheena. That's right. And we started this all four years ago. Got Des permission to like let him set the vision, and we took it. And like, I mean, it's beautiful. I was just looking at the recap from 2019, and all the people that was there. Uh, I mean, but let me tell you, two was it two weeks ago now? Just about, yep. Man, my heart was filled seeing you up there, seeing Des, seeing Kate, like the whole team, FRC team coming together, and hundreds of people being up there. Even though it's a pandemic, haven't seen them in a while, and that was just powerful. I, I'm with it. We had 12 buses come up. I mean, from Key West, Pensacola, you know, folks just wanting to have their voices yeah. heard. And I'm with you. And all of a sudden, you were, uh, you remind me, like, we started when we couldn't vote, right? So this right. was before. It was kind of like right. our message was, hey, your vote is our voice. Right. But now it's kind of like we're talking about a vision and and, and what, what we can do in the state of Florida, you know, as it relates to yeah. criminal justice reform. And, and it wasn't just a pony show. I used to say, you know, I don't want our advocacy day, advocacy day to be like a pony show. We just come and take pictures and wave hands. Our folks went in there and asked hard questions, right? That's they, right. They said, this is our house. That's right. <laughs> our voice, our vote. I mean, it was powerful. And to see the legislators from both sides of the spectrum to, like, just tune in and be receptive to what FRC was bringing was like a beautiful thing. It was really cool. We had about 100 meetings, you know, in the Senate, the House, mm-hmm. like you said, uh, both sides of the aisle. And, and our folks showed up and asked questions. And yeah. I think they, they walked away feeling empowered and yeah, ready to go ready. change the world. So what's next? <laughs> I'm still reeling from advocacy that right. I know what's next tonight is we got somebody really, really cool. Uh, you know, friend of uh, FRC, uh, somebody who's in the fight, uh, who I know is going to bring a fun perspective for our uh, our listeners, our, our audience. And she's my Twitter sister. So this is the thing. I was, I was, I was a little nervous about this because yeah, you guys is, are good, really good Twitterers. Yeah, listen, Twitter sister, before we jump into all of Miss Chelsea Murphy. So we have never met in person. Mm. And this is our first time seeing each other now today. But we're always like, you know, okay, like the kids and husband. Okay, good quote. All right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, we're supportive of each other on Twitter. There's some tweets. Let's talk. We'll talk about a little later. We don't always like, but it's like, mm, okay, she's still my Twitter sister. <laughs> so, but I love it. Like, that's what makes it so great. So, but we'll get into that. So, 
what about Chelsea? Go ahead and keep, keep let's keep hyping Chelsea. Oh yeah, because we got hype Chelsea. I know everybody now is like, whoa, who's Chelsea? What's yeah. what's going on? We got uh, we got a special guest, and I am like. I need to learn about Twitter from y'all because I, I still he's don't know the, the rules. He's the worst, Chelsea. I'm like, I put like the sunshine picture up and nobody no, he wants tags, to interact. Uh, no, he does a tweet and then he's <laughs> supposed to tag everyone in the tweet. I'm like, that's not the way it goes, Neil. I'm using like Facebook He's not getting verified anytime soon. Sheena, Sheena will be. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the verification. I just heard that. That's, that, what? that's yeah. I'm, I'm I didn't realize what a, what a world that is. What, ver- getting verified? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not important enough just yet. We'll get there. We're getting it. But hold on, Chelsea. Don't don't try to deflect. We got to yeah, talk about you. We got to hype you up, Chelsea. Chelsea. She's a superstar. So let me tell you this. So uh-huh. when I had I met with someone, Chelsea, and uh, I asked them, did they you know know right on crime? And they they's like Chelsea Murphy. Like they don't they go they don't even talk, start with Brett. They go right, right to Chelsea Murphy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they was like, yeah, she's like the top lobbyists in Florida. I'm like, well, damn, Chelsea. Come on, Chelsea. Uh-huh. So That's Chelsea's a big deal to yeah. be here on FRC uh, podcast yeah, tonight. Huge. She's from FSU, so I know there's like partisans out there. Uh-huh. Usually Des is giving me a hard time about being Ohio State folks, but I know the Seminole Nation is watching. Well, listen, uh, speaking of FSU, for the Super Bowl, I was there for a halftime show, but my kids were there because there were some uh, on the, what's the see. Don't even know the team. So it was Ohio. Uh- yeah, it's Cincinnati against uh, Los Angeles. Los, it was folks on the Rams mm-hmm. from FSU. Did you know that, Chelsea? No. Oh, Actually, on, that's not true. I did know <laughs> that because my husband walked me through both. First off, I'm a I'm a bad fan for all of the reasons, but my husband walked me through who was playing in the Super Bowl, and then he told me. So sorry, I'm the worst on all of this. But he did walk me through everyone who was playing from FSU. So he yeah, had like side. you cared, like I you really cared. But but you like you cared, right? And so you had the show. I did. I care. I care. I, care. I cared about the halftime. Uh, on, well, listen, I'm about to just ask you: Did did you show your kids that you was a cool mom during halftime? Well, my kids are still six and seven, so they were in bed. So I was an extra cool mom. So I was digging and giving all my dances. I was an extra cool mom in that way. Right. Um, yes, they're uh, no. I they know. They already know. They know what they listen to. My kids love like they they listen and, and request certain different songs, and I normally yeah. randomly dance. If you see, it was my mommy time then. I get it. I, it was yeah. my time then. During halftime, I made everybody come in to watch me do my dances. Nice. Like Mary J. Yeah. I even had my cousin with her blonde wig, my cousin Dana. Shout out to her. Like, everybody came ready for halftime. Yeah, she's great. Mary I, J brought it. I mean, she looks great. I'm like, she's goals for me. But, um, so, hey, yeah. so Chelsea is the state director for an organization called Right on Crime, right? So, Right on Crime is a national campaign of the Texas Pu- Public Policy Foundation. And, and I might, Need to TPPF. Yeah, that's what we call them. Get, get, get this, yes, there we go. <laughs> that's exactly right. So, um, and it supports conservative solutions to reducing crime, restoring victims, reforming offenders, lowering taxpayer costs. Can't wait to jump into this conversation. But Chelsea has been in this space for a long time, um, and uh, I think you've been with uh, Right on Crime for about five years now. If I have that right, Chelsea. Um, but last that week, being, correct. Last week. Congratulations. Happy. Right yeah, it's been a blessing. <laughs> That's it's right. Perfect. So this is so, my anniversary show. <laughs> right, it is. Listen, if you check this shirt out, Chelsea, it says, "Excuse me, I'm speaking." I can't. I, wore, I can't fully see. So 
It says, excuse me, I'm speaking, right? It's from Vice President Kamala Harris. I wore this for us in solidarity as women, just in case Neil tries to like uh, take over. He will realize this is the Chelsea and Sheena show tonight. So I, I'm well aware. This I is am, a solidarity I'm for aware. us, for women. So, yeah. So I want to, so before we like jump all the way into like what Chelsea does with Right on Crime, I would love to hear more about Chelsea. Mm. Chelsea, the woman. Chelsea, the leader, the the mom, the wife, the you know advocate. Love to hear more about you. Where did you grow up, Chelsea? Hey, so um, thank you. Uh, I grew up in. I was born in Miami. I was raised in Fort Lauderdale. Um, went to St. Thomas Aquinas High School. It was a blessing of a time. Um, and then I went to Florida State. And um, unfortunately, I got into some trouble. Um, I was arrested for a DUI um, when I was 20 years old and um, kind of had a little taste of the the life. It was a there are worse things to, to be arrested for. However, it was a it was a terrible, terrible time. And I also now looking back, I understand what privilege I do have and how I was able to kind of get out of a lot of situations. So um, that's why I've always loved this area. I love criminal justice reform, not only because of my own stuff, but I understand. I get it. I see it um, not from obviously as a lot of other people's perspectives. But um, and then my husband and I, um, we're both in politics. He works for insurance agents of association or Florida insurance agents association of Florida. Um, and so they're, uh, different from our world. Um, I think he's a little bit more in tune to our stuff. He appreciates it, but, uh, it's good. I got two kids and, uh, six and seven Jackson and Kennedy and, uh, well, you. I you, love my job. You, you, you ran through that real quick. You, it's a lot for us to unpack. I want to do some unpacking real quick because so you're all around Florida girl, South Florida girl. It's right, a different South Florida, yeah. South Florida girl who's living. I still have a nine five four number. I still have my seven seven two number. So I lived in Port St. Lucie in the Treasure Coast for a while, and I refused to give up my seven seven two area code. Yeah, I know when the spammers are calling because they call from another 772 number. I'm like, I don't talk to nobody down there. So <laughs> I know when the spammers are calling. So you're all around. Fought. All my car warranties are coming from 954 numbers. <laughs> all right. what like, numbers? The my car warranty. Uh, oh, your car yeah. warranties, yeah. It's, it's time. Your warranty's up. <laughs> so you're all around South Florida girl. Now, are you based in North Florida, Chelsea? Yes, I live in Tallahassee. I've been How's here since transition? 2005. Pardon? How's that transition from being a South Florida palm, all in the palm trees woman to going to North Florida? I mean, outside of FSU, did you go there after it's college? Hard. It's been hard. Yeah, no, I, I've stayed here. Never thought I would ever stay here. Got involved in the process um, when I was actually 21. And I have just fallen in love. Once you leave a certain side of town and like we kind of got away from campus life. So it wasn't just college kids all the time. You realize there is a slower pace and it's a little nicer. It's not so wild and crazy. Um, so uh, it's been enjoyable and we're not that far from the ocean. I will say it's not the ocean that I'm used to down south I was about Florida, to say, wait but... a minute. Now you're, you're, you get me stuck on my geography. So wait a minute. There's an ocean up there. <laughs> There's other it's than the Panama 30, 40 side. minutes from St. Mark's. Oh, St. Mark. Ah. Yes. Let me tell you. I know about St. Mark. So I used to work for the AFL-CIO, Florida AFL-CIO. And when we yes. had lobby days, we would have fun down at the water at St. Mark's, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, I know about St. Mark's. 
Um, I know Neil's going to want to jump in here, but you, you said something that I think is really important for the listeners to hear. So what I understand, most of the listeners are people who are directly impacted, FRC memberships, also some of our other allies. But you said that you yourself had a brush with the system, right? Because mm-hmm. of something that you did in your uh, early 20s, you, you realized you're privileged, but you still went through a process and this thing still impacts you. You know, uh, I, I'm assuming it still impacts you, you know, as you know, I, I work at Clean Slate, we talk about collateral consequences, the barriers that are set up. Um, you want to talk a little bit more about that, Chelsea? And, you know, h- how that informs your work today, like uh, your work and how your approach to work in, in the CJ space? Yeah, like what, what was the experience like and like what did you take from it? Sure. Um, well, you know, listen, um, I've I've had and I would be cut quite lying to y'all if I said it wasn't the only time. It was once, two times, um, but I will really talk about that first time. And both of the, I'm happy to talk about either of them. It was a domestic situation and that's terrible. It was awful. And I had stitches in my face and that's a whole nother thing while I think the Florida domestic violence laws are really screwed up, um, but neither here nor there. Um, but the um, when I had my run-in um, when I was 20, it was really eye-opening and I'm sure it is for everybody, but, you know, all I could think about when I was arrested was how do I get out? All I wanted to do was get out. And they said, you know, listen, if you sign this work, you do pretrial release, you get out, you're out scot-free. You don't have to call mom and dad. And that's all I was thinking about as a college kid. I didn't want to call mom and dad. I've been there before. My mom actually told me, don't call me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Don't call me. Don't ask. Don't ask for it. So I knew better. I knew not to call. Me too. Um, And so I was like, don't have to call mom and dad. Let me sign the paperwork. We're all good. Little did I realize that would require me, you know, calling in every single day, checking in, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, does your last name begin with this, you know, this letter, you're going to have to go down to the jail and blow, or you're going to have to pay this, this, and this for all of your different fees and fines and all the situations involved in it. And thankfully, again, for my privilege, um, you know, the fact that I came from, you know, my, my, my folks were able to help me. I did have to eventually tell them. Um, and they were able to help me out with all of that, but it, it blew my mind because an average person doesn't have one, you know, the, the time or day to, to, to continuously check in to, and, and I think that there is a need for check-in, but for the, for the way that they're doing, for, it, there's no, there's no public safety that's going on here. There was nothing that, that the public was not affected by the fact that I was, you know, I, other than the fact that I was arrested. I feel like I'm babbling on here for a second, but um, you know what I'm getting at. I think that, you know, me checking in, that wasn't, I wasn't, that wasn't the problem. And I think that we've really got to um, focus on, on risk assessments. I think that's, that's something that we're not really working on. And the fact, I don't know. Yeah, no, listen, no, you're hitting a good point. I mean, and that's something that I think, in both our work, right, in our organizations, we try to educate lawmakers, um, the community, and advocates on, like, what it really looks like to have to go through the system and have to, like, adhere to all these, like, check-ins and technicalities and things that has nothing always to do with your arrest, your rehabilitation, or, you know, making the victim whole or whatsoever, I, you know, 
my story, which I'm like you, Chelsea, one or two, we're going to the other one on the next podcast. That's that's FRC after dark. <laughs> <laughs> but after dark. After dark. But you know our voice. <laughs> <laughs> is you know, when I had the check, I had, you know, a bad check, you know, single mom, government assistance. I just wanted to put gas in my car and some cash in my my pocketbook, and this is when we used to write checks like $10 over, $15 over. Well, my check bounced, and not only did it bounce, they the bank sent it back. You know, I'm not being financially like literate. I'm in my 20s, young mom, and I'm thinking that when a check bounced, they get it when your paycheck goes in your account, you know, like it usually did. But this time they sent it to the district attorney. I don't, it, I didn't even know who a district attorney was or what it is. And a couple of months later, I had two cops show up at my door, arrest me in front of my children for a bad $85 check, no more than $80, mm. right? But I, I got out too, cause you know, I'm, my mom gave me the whole, don't call me if you ever can like, that's not, I mean, of course, you know, we end up calling, but I had to do the check-ins. You have to go, I, I did the, the pre-trial diversion. I had to take time off of work. I'm already low poverty and like dealing with all this stuff, childcare issues. And like you said, the common person does not have one, the knowledge to navigate the system. Right. I didn't think about getting an attorney or how this was going to impact me. I was just trying to get it done and over because I was embarrassed and I didn't like that I had to go to jail. Right. But if I look back now, I I understand like how the system was set up really not to help me. Right. It's not it didn't help public geared towards public safety all the time. It's not geared towards you. Right. right. And yeah. then it helped it didn't help the I'm gonna put out it didn't help Publix. I don't know if they're ever gonna be your sponsor, but it didn't help Publix because that's who the check was with. <laughs> like Publix wasn't worried about is Sheena going to do all these check ins. They just wanted their eighty dollars back. Right. Which they got. Yeah, so it can kind of be eye-opening, right? Where all of a sudden you see, like, how do the incentives work? Like, what's what's it like, you know, to be in the system and, you know, what the machinery is like? Because, you know, suddenly you're you're making decisions where it's like, I, I just want to be out of jail. Yeah, you know, like, and I think it also affects out. when you talk with, with – when you're talking with legislators. Forgive me for my eyes tearing. My allergies are just so bad. Um, uh, when you're talking with legislators – it, it helps too to, to explain to them like criminal justice system is one step away from your worst decision and or your your you know or just an average decision that that happens to folks and so I think that a lot of people start to understand it once it affects a loved one or a, a spouse and so I, I don't think that my family gave you know to whatever about the criminal justice system until it started to affect me or and now they start to understand that and I think that people understand that people make mistakes and we all about second chances yeah I, I have a question follow-up to that so Chelsea your story is not as similar but we it seems like we both had our our brushes which probably lasted no more than a day in jail I, you know mm-hmm. I, I tell my husband I still have my membership as a, 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 a FRC and still put respect on my one day because it was traumatizing to me and I still get some time there you know I also realized that I go you know anything that I made um, experience was for a reason, right? I, got, I believe that God purposely allow, allowed me to be in that position for a reason. And so when I had did 24 hours in jail, I met some beautiful women, which really opened my eyes up to like the verity of cases that was happening and women being displaced from their family and children. But when I got more into the work and started working with FRC, I started meeting more formerly incarcerated women, women who did time in prison, men who did time in prison, and sometimes they will feel like, I mean, it's fair for them to feel that way, that you don't really understand my story because you were not locked up in prison. 
Do you come across that sometimes in your work, even though you're like, hey, I'm directly impacted. I understand even with my privilege. But do you feel sometimes there's like this place where people like you don't really understand because you're not formally incarcerated? I do. And I, I also respect that. That doesn't mean that. And, and I'm blessed for that. But um, I, I do run into that. But that's OK. I, I again, I respect everybody's position where they've come from. Um, what my After Dark show, which was only, you know, a, an extra couple hours after 24, <laughs> but nothing right. too far. I did have some really great women that I was able to meet and and talk with and. Um, it breaks my heart to see some situations and, and, and like, what well, like, like what you're saying, I mean, there's so many other people that have had it way worse than, than, than us. And it, it's really humbling, but also that doesn't mean that, you know, our, our empathy doesn't exist. Right. So, so let me take this conversation just a little bit of a different direction if I could, because you work for a place called right on crime, right? So I'm sitting at thinking about our audience, thinking about folks, you know, who have been listening to us pretty regularly. Right. And, and I think some, some people might be like, right on crime. Like, what's that? You know, like what, 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 what's that whole thing? Like do conservatives really care about criminal justice reform or how do conservatives, you know, come about this whole thing? It's fascinating because so much of our work is really focused outside the, 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 the prism of kind of partisan and like, labels and stuff like that. So I'm really excited to have you here because it's like you're working with an organization that's specifically coming from the conservative perspective. Can you like educate us a little bit on like, what does it mean to be a conservative criminal justice reformer? <laughs> Is it different than some of the progressive groups or like, how do you come at this guy? Like, can you just kind of talk it through? I don't think it necessarily has to be, are we different, but how are we, I'm so excited that we have a, a passion that's the same. Um, and Yes, we may come at it from different angles. I think that a lot of folks, you know, come at it. There's some folks that come at it from emotion. Some come at it from a financial standpoint. Um, but wherever it is, we meet in the middle on the same aspect because they both, you know, you need all of that to mesh together. Um, and I think that conservatives, you know, that's... I shouldn't say it's what one side agrees more than the other. I think that right now we're, we're extra polarized and not saying that, that you and I are um, just saying that that left and right are um, with defunding the police and that kind of thing. But prior to our era that we lived in, I think that a lot of it was just a lack of understanding, but now it's just been a little bit more, it's, it's been a little difficult recently to try and make sure that we're getting everybody um, jazzed up about, criminal justice the way that once was. And, um, but I, at, at the same time, I think that also we realize that there are issues going on, not only that have happened the past two years, but shoot, that have happened the past 20 years. And so as conservatives, do we want to have taxpayers or tax burdens? And, you know, 95% of the folks that are coming out of prison are going to come back in, you know, to society. Do you want them to be, you know, productive members or do you want them to go back in? And so, you know, at the end of the day, we all have to realize that people make mistakes. We shouldn't be judged on our worst day. Um, and a lot of it is, uh, it's just kind of a, it's, it's a working model and I'm really, you know, sometimes it's putting lipstick on a pig, but at the same time, it's, <laughs> it's, that's yeah, and folks and folks need to know Neil is not the only so for the members of FRC. Well, I won't say just the members because we have FRC, and I say we because I'm family. FRC has members who are conservative, who are liberal, who are independent, or just just like I don't want to label, right? Um, I, right. 
And I, I was going to joke with uh, Neil to say he's not the only conservative, so he feels like he has a little family in the house today because we... It's uh, great to have you on the show. Yeah, <laughs> he's like crying. He's like blinking twice <laughs> over here. We, we, he, he jokes sometimes saying... Um, Sometimes Desmond would send him to the, what do you say, the fi only dog at the hydrant show? What do you say? <laughs> the only uh, dog at the, uh, the only fire hydrant at the all dog party. At the all dog party. <laughs> but, you know, one thing that I really love, Chelsea, so recently I've been um, dealing or uh, engaging more and more conservative representatives, right? In Congress, in state legislators, uh, le uh, state, state houses. And I just recently went to Utah. And actually had a great uh, cup of coffee, lunch with Brett Tolman. Shout out to Brett, your great fearless leader of Right on Crime. Um, we're going to have a steak off soon in uh, Utah. But, you know, He's Clean Slate had got implemented uh, a few weeks ago. And it was a press conference with the governor, uh, the agency heads. And it was, you know, Clean Slate passed with like a very conservative assembly in Utah. And when I left there... I left so hopeful, right? And I, that feeling that I left with, I want to share with other folks. I've been trying to find the words to put on social or in a blog. So after leaving Utah, prior to that, I went to D.C. I met with uh, Congressman uh, Reschenthal, right? Reschenthaler, who was the sponsor of Clean Slate Pennsylvania, who's also a sponsor for Federal Clean Slate. And I went in to talk to him about CJ issues and I met with some Utah delegations. I met some other conservative members and one, the, the, the common theme was that people knew that we need to fix the system, right? This is about forgiveness, redemption, right? They talked about it as a workforce issue, but the one thing, something that you talked about Chelsea is because they knew someone that was directly impacted in their family that changed, I think, how they approach this work and how they talk about it. And they're so passionate. Either they had someone in their family or friend that got caught up, right? I think Neil was there for one of the conversations who friend got DUI or whatever. And it's like, listen, this guy got like a master's now. He's trying to like teach and they can't even teach. And, you know, also we heard the story of folks who are public defenders who are now in service and they see like the injustice. And so, I wish that I could like just, I don't know how to like bring this story together and maybe Chelsea will figure this out, right? How to like make this a beautiful song to show people what can be accomplished when we come together around like around these like aligned issues like CJ issues. And so I feel really hopeful right now seeing people walk uh, work across the aisle. Yeah, and, and I would even just say it, it's interesting because I asked you the question, Chelsea, but I, I, I think we're all in that same space where it's like, as people, we don't necessarily like the labels, right? But we have a, a, a system of government and in, in which there are two parties, right? So when you start to actually engage in trying to change policy, suddenly you find yourself in a place where, you know, you, you see that, uh, you know, somebody's in one party or somebody's in another party. And so I, what I think is really cool is that you are in the field, you know, and that you're actively saying like, hey, we, we, we work with, with anybody, but we also know that there's a, you know, there's a community here that, that cares about these issues. And, and we, we were kind of aligned with that community and I'm just uh, really impressed with your leadership and how like you guys navigate that. But I'm curious if you, you know, knowing that we have folks who aren't always comfortable with the, the, the partisanship, myself included, I'm just curious, like what, what kind of success you've seen, you know, from that perspective and, and, and how you go about your business. I, I you know, I think that 
anytime I've gone about this and, you know, again, for, although I feel like I'm starting to look, let me back up. So five years, five years ago, when I first started, um, everything was really divisive. I mean, it still kind of is to an extent, but it was extra. And we were able to kind of get a bunch of groups together. We all kind of sat around together, had a kumbaya. Neil, you were at the table. We were all um, around together. And there's been a couple times that we were really able to sit down and strategically think together. And we realized we each have a goal in common and we also have different ways that we want to get there. And I think that um, the best way is to, to realize where each of our, our, our strengths are and how do we how do we monopolize monopolize that? And um, I think that we've done that to an extent, but I think that there's gosh golly so much more to do. I sounded like my mom there, gosh golly. Um, <laughs> that was gosh, a good gosh golly. golly. <laughs> good gosh golly. We turn into um, our mothers. There's so much okay. more to do. <laughs> Um, but no, I think there's so much more to do and I'm really excited. I think that we've got, you know, with leadership and, and, and folks kind of going forward, I think that there's a lot of, of progress that that's going to happen here in the next few years. I'm really excited about it. So what, what do you think is possible? Like, right. If you paint a picture for, you know, Florida upcoming years, you know, like, cause I, I I'm with you. You're right. We're friends. Like we, we, we've talked about bail reform. We've talked about things that would really tangibly impact people's lives. And then some, you know, it, 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 it can be a tough state uh, just to be frank uh, to, to work in sometimes in terms of expectations. I think reentry and, and, and how we function in society is going to be a big key clean slate. I am, you know, talking about all sorts of different issues when it comes to reentry. I don't want to put a plug in for myself here, but I'm going to, um, I'm working on, on an issue trying to bring back, parole, um, not in, in a way that's, you know, over supervising, but I think that, you know, an opportunity for us to kind of work at that 85% a little bit, but also making sure that we're keeping public safe and and pairing that back and giving, giving folks resources when they get back into society. So it's kind of something I'm just kind of looking into, but I think that reentry and, and how we're all functioning back in society is going to be a bigger, you know, on the, on the next two years. I have a question. Call me crazy. Well, no, it's not crazy. Listen, we like crazy ideas. That mean it's, uh, it's some purpose with that. So what does your day-to-day look like? Like, what do you do? So we know you're a trailblazer. Like, you call shots. You make things happen. CJ reform, especially in conservative spaces, audiences, and messaging. But, like, what is your day-to-day? What do you do? I'll pull back the veil, right? Like, we got folks who are like, wait a minute. What does somebody do who's, like, an advocate for an organization like this? Sure. Um, a lot of it is making sure that I've got um, an understanding of what's going on um, politically. We're keeping all of the understanding, even if it's not even in my own area um, with criminal justice. I try and keep involved with everything that's going across the board because it all plays in when we're making deals and doing stuff at the 12th hour of session. Um, and then a lot of it, I do a lot of Zooms. Um, although none of them are having to have this great white background, I feel very thing with that. I'm sorry, but I tried really hard for this today. Um, most of the times I'm a little, I'm a little less poised. Um, Sheena helped me with my hair. Thank you. Well, that's all Sheena. That's all Sheena. <laughs> uh, but um, I mean, a lot of it is um, educating um, our, our leaders um, and our, our legislators and trying to make sure, and then coordinating with folks like you, Neil and Desmond, and making sure that we're all understanding our, our, our voices. Ooh. Um, and making sure that they're like what I did there. I, I like um, the plug we're all, for the we're all, that was good. 
Yes, I see it. Um, that we're all just um, listening to each other. I feel like for so long in the criminal justice world, we've all stayed in our own silos and we always forget that we all intersect in some capacity and, and we need to make sure that we're all listening to each other, regardless of which side we're on or, or whatever our issues may be, they all intersect in some capacity. Well, so, so you plugged the podcast. Let me plug right on crime. So how do you get into these conversations? I would imagine just because I, I talked to some of the same folks you do is, right, there's this mindset that's like, what's the difference between being right on crime versus being tough on crime, right? Like, or being smart on crime. Because I think some sometimes like the, the, those phrases catch fire and, and, and suddenly you're just fighting a narrative, you know, and that the education that you're talking about is so important because it's like, well, wait a minute, what are we trying to do here? We're trying to like... Increase and improve public yeah, safety? Yeah, I think a lot to- of it has to do with, um, of while we're trying to change the system, I think that we're ultimately trying to keep the public safe, not saying that other folks aren't, but I think that ultimately all of our decisions come down to public safety, um, restoring victims, and of course, keeping families together. I think that, you know, the, the more that we can keep folks together, I'm super excited to see some of the stuff that Speaker Sprouls did last week with fathers and, um, you know, really trying to make sure that we're keeping families together is, is really important. And so if we have all of those three keys in mind, it all kind of creates a synergy with what we kind of prescribe at Red and Crime. What do you think right now, Chelsea, is like the issue that I don't want to say the most underrated issue, but an issue that is happening or a policy reform that that is happening maybe in some states. I know you're Florida specific, but your organization is across the country. A policy that has very large impact that folks are like more folks should pay attention to in the CJ space since you deal with a lot of different. I'm going to give another plug here. Not even intending, but you asked the question. I'm going to. I would have to say clean sleep. I know. I, I was thinking I the same think. thing. I was really thinking. <laughs> you guys. It really man. is. I think it's something Desmond, that affects so many people. Where are you? And unfortunately, <laughs> I think that so many people thought that, you know, when we're we're dealing with uh, voting rights or whatever it may be, I don't want to necessarily go on down that path. But I think that everyone thinks that it's going to be one party or the other. And we all forget that there's all sorts of folks and it affects the criminal justice system affects everybody. It's not just one party or another. And yeah. When it's one in three so Americans have a, a legal record. I mean, let's, we could count this from one, two, three. Well, Oh, damn. There's all three of us. Three out of three. Out of three, three. three. <laughs> <laughs> but that's funny, but, but you're right. Like there's this like correlation between economics and criminal justice reform. Right. And I imagine when you're talking to elected officials, that is, uh, you know, one of the messages that you bring up, right, is that this has an impact. Recidivism rates directly correlate to, you know, taxpayer dollars and how well the economy is going to do. Absolutely. How, you know, the so sometimes when we talk about the business community, we sometimes put it in the same or in a very close circle with the conservative community, mm. uh, maybe because the approach, but we've been seeing a lot more businesses like say, I want to be a second chance employer or like we can't find workforce when we know there's like millions of people who would like to like have opportunity to work. What is your relationship or how, well, I wish your approach or right on crimes approach or your approach, Chelsea engaged in the business community, especially like in Florida around these issues of like employment, like you said, reentry and, getting people back to work and getting our economy back together and like bringing families back together. 
I'm super excited that you actually asked that. And that wasn't even a planned question here for those listening. I really, uh, so. Oh, we don't go by the, I don't go by the sheet, Chelsea. I'm sorry. Listen, this is all just like. I'm looking at paper and I was like, are they asking me questions? I didn't know. Uh, The Florida Foundation for Correctional Excellence. Yeah, they they, they prep us well and then we never (laughs) stuck to this, yeah. You guys are awesome. Um, So the governor about two years ago, um, started the Florida Foundation for Correctional Excellence, which is a re-entry um, organization that is a direct support organization, I'm sorry, for the Department of Corrections and with the state of Florida. Um, and there's folks like one of our board members, Doug Deason, um, Denver Shetler, who's not one of ours, but there's several different folks. The chamber is involved, um, somebody from JW Marriott and different folks. And, we're, and they're trying to build that out and really kind of make sure that we're creating that that bridge between, you know, behind the bars and how you come back out and how can we kind of build up that workforce. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, to some of the things that they're going to be able to do. I know that the governor put um, a budget recommendation in for for that organization and trying to, to boost that. And um, I think that's great. I know the Department of Eco- Economic and Opportunity is working on some different things for Career Source Florida. Um, so anything, and I know you guys at FRRC have been doing tons of employer uh, forums and stuff like that. So everything you guys are doing has been such a such a big help. And um, so anything we can do to help in that organization and that in that way. Well, know, but it is interesting to bring up, right? Because I do think sometimes people forget about the private sector, right? And and what we've seen is since the pandemic, I mean, man, employers are looking to hire folks, and suddenly they're like, why can't we hire people with criminal backgrounds. Why can't we hire people with convictions? What's going on with these like barriers that exist? And so you start to get advocates in the business community, right? Um, you know, th- that can really change things. Yeah. And certifications. So you, you mentioned around, you mentioned something about um, uh, behind the bars, Chelsea. And when I was, I, you may not know this, when I was 19, my first state job was working at a maximum security prison uh, at Martin County CI, Martin CI. And I worked in classification. And during that time, uh, the governor at that time did some big cuts to reentry. That was like 2001. Because I remember the colleague that I befriended there, he was like at, he's at, at risk of losing his job because of the cuts. for um, He was prepping folks for reentry. But one of the things that I saw working behind the bars was that, you know, a lot of the, the folks that was incarcerated had jobs, right? Like regular jobs, the trustees, whatever. You had people that worked at the canteen that was contracted to Airmark. You had people that did barbering. You had people that worked on the fields. But yet when they come home and even to this day, they cannot still get some of those jobs, right? Uh, you know, uh, like licensing for cosmetology. I know FRC, y'all done some stuff with occupational license, but those are some of the things that we got to make sure that we keep on the forefront and bring people into proximity, understanding the barriers that it calls or that there is like when you sit down with an elected official and you tell them, well, Hey, I did this job in prison, but I can't do it now. Come on. They're like, really? You know? Yeah. Makes I, no, I, sense. yeah. no sense. No sense at all. I mean, and, and the idea, like I remember making those arguments in 2019, right. And it's powerful. And, and there is there is something to be said having proximity to the decision makers, you know, because I, I felt like we made some progress in in that moment. But uh, how how do we break through some of that, uh, Chelsea? How like you know, uh, I'm intrigued because so much of what Right on Crime does is is is, is you're, you're spreading out the number of people that we can talk to, right, um, about these issues that we we all care about. 
are there are there you know if there were there were some folks who are you know because like like sheena said man in our audience people from all walks of life all political persuasions and backgrounds if if people do happen to be more conservative right and they just kind of that's the community they hang out with what would you suggest that they do what 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 do you say to an elected official or policymaker you know to help move the ball forward well, I think talking with your your workforce and your local workforce boards and, and talking with Career Source Florida, and they've got different ones all throughout the state, I think that's a, a great way to start. Um, and one of the things that I, I, I'd i love to bring to Florida is some of the employer form and just kind of replicating some of the things that you guys have done here um, and combining forces. Um, I know we've done that in some other states, Louisiana. Um, I know they're working on some stuff in Mississippi and other, and other places. Um, but I think that it's just, it's so important for us to put our money where our mouth is. And if we really want folks to come back into society, then we need to make sure that we're creating, you know, we're, we're giving these people all these, you know, certifications and, and opportunities behind bars, but then when they come back out, it doesn't happen. And so we need to make sure that that is a fluid transition back into society. Right on. Now Neil wants to go by the book. Well, yeah, all Chelsea, of a sudden, you, you guys, bro, you guys, like, I made, made me think. I was like, you know what? These guys have like really good questions and and, and things like that. Uh, you know, you're um, flowing. Yeah, well, and and, and it, it it is like we end up talking about some of the things on here because we're talking about you know the focus on the taxpayer and 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 the focus on recidivism rates, right? So. Um, you know, it, it was it was said here that uh, your executive director recently tweeted that lowering recidivism is tough on crime. Can we talk a little bit about, you know, like the focus on recidivism rates and why that's so important? You know, I think that there's data all over the place. There's the life experiences that, that so many of us have. But what is it that we should we be judging success by? And tell the audience, Neil, For real sure. quick before Chelsea answers, because I know you guys talk about it all the time, what recidivism is. You know how many times I've been. I was been... just about to say, let's <laughs> define what that is. Yes. Because you, Neil, you got, give it Neil's going to go ahead and break it down. He's going to he's going to get an A on it. Go ahead, Neil. Tell the audience what recidivism. So is. recidivism involves when you leave, you know, incarceration. When you get off paper, you get a, get out of the system, whether you go back in or not, right? And so the the key point is 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 somebody recidivating, right? Or are they going back into the system, or do they end up? Re- fully reintegrated into the community. And at the end of the day, we know the importance of reintegration into the community. I know in my personal life, like that was a tough time period, getting a job, finding housing and, and, and trying to become a member of the community again. Like it could have gone any, any different direction, but like that's the moment. And we see that you get a good job, you get, you know, get, get, get access to opportunity that the difference between a high recidivism rate and a low recidivism rate is very real. So I'm just curious how how do we zero in on that when you're when, when and how do we just define success? So thank you, Sheena. You made, me, you made me like kind of put myself here. Yeah. I said I hate to put myself here, but I think that that's one of the things that we lack so much, at least in Florida. Other than giving us you know fifty dollars and a bus ticket, what else is being done to to make sure that folks are you know? And not everybody has a family to go home to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making sure that everyone is plugged in, back into. I mean, you're you people are going home. What we want them to come back to to a proper setting. We make sure that housing's available. I mean, the fact that and you know most people can't get housing that's that's a big deal. I mean, it was it was crazy. We had Matthew Charles. I just got a. I sent him a text uh, two days ago. We just had a reminder back in 2018. He was here in Florida. Um, what was it two days ago? Um, and 
I was reminded when he was there, he had just gotten his home situation figured out. Kim Kardashian, I knew it helped. Um, and it was kind of a big deal. And he had just been released from prison, I think less than a month prior to him coming here. And he still couldn't find a place to live. Uh, and so to me, you know, you're pardoned by you're, you're you're released by the president of the United States, but you can't find a place to live. What does that mean? And so how do we how do we make that better? And I think that, you know, whether that's, you know, bonding issues or, or, or you know, different things that we have to deal with with landlords. I think it's something that we really have to, to think about. It's so many different intersections to this work. That's why it's so important for us to talk to other people outside the, even the CJ space. That's right. I know we're doing it at clean slate. Like we, we, you know, we could clear records, but then folks may have another barrier. So like you brought up a good point, Chelsea. And I think about this all the time and I'm playing a little devil's advocate. Like we have people advocating on a federal level, state level to get people released, release, um, Asian, um, uh, people who was incarcerated. And I'm like, okay, this is great. If somebody, waved a magic wand or pushed a button or signed a sheet and released all those people, where are we sending them to? Is is the community exactly. ready to like bring them in? Are we talking to the housing advocates so we could have housing for them when they come home or like uh, some, a safety net that they could like engage in to like get them to the next step? Because I also don't want to send people home to be unsuccessful or feel like, you know, I heard from like one of the trustees that um, was a trustee when I was working at the prison and he was a parolee. He had went on for parole. He was eligible, but he did not want to, he kept telling the board he didn't want to go home. He didn't want to go. He said, what am I going to? He was like, I have healthcare, housing, medical, and I built a family. People should not have to rely on prison for that or Mm. feel like that's a better safety net because I can't survive. I have nothing to go to. Man, that says a lot, Sheena. I mean, I think about it as like, like, you know, people who were previously incarcerated 10 times as likely to be homeless, right? Like, you know, and 30% unemployment right now when when so many people are looking for work. It really does go to to set up the, the, the intersectionality you talk about of like, how are our systems set up? Are they set up so that everybody benefits, which is what happens when, when recidivism rates go down, because you cannot care about any of this stuff, right? right? Like you can be like, I don't care about returning citizens or somebody with a criminal record, but you know what? Your, your community is about to get safer right? because <clears throat> we changed how the systems work. Right. You know? Yeah. So with that being said, like Chelsea, how do you engage with those other sectors or maybe in your day to day you don't, or maybe right on crime does, and maybe do it with your partners. Like, how do you engage with like, you know, I would call them economic justice folks or maybe like the housing, yeah. like you talked about, like how do you engage with them and where do you find like common ground or how do you strategically work with them? So you could be advocating for a policy in like Tallahassee, right? But on the other end, you don't want to just pass a policy. I'm like, yeah, we passed it, but you want to make sure that when it's implemented that that is fully doing what you wanted it to do, like for the people that you're trying to help. Yeah. Like- Folks like Operation New Hope, uh, Kevin Gay over in Jacksonville. Shout out to Kevin. Sure yep. that- yeah. Yes. Love him. Um, some great, some great programs and to be able to see. And so a lot of it is, is kind of being around the Capitol, getting to know some people, getting to know folks like Neil and you, well, she knows going to say we're Twitter guys. sisters. You have been really great. We're now Twitter friends, so it's been great. But it's been really nice to be able to to, to get to know folks. Um, and 
a lot of it is just having conversations. I think that for so long, we've all stayed in our silos and we have, you know, my my foundation or my job says, this is what I'm ex supposed to do and care about. But until you take an opportunity to, to step outside that bubble and realize, you know, folks like the Chamber or Associated Industries of Florida, they all care about this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, waste management. I mean, you could go from laundry services, barbershops, it all matters. It all cares. And there's, you know, you know, the NFIB, they all kind of trans transcend with each other. So I think it's really um, it's just taken some time a little bit longer than I had hoped. Um, but we're getting there. I think we really are. I think that, you know, we've got a good good group of folks here in Florida. Yeah, right I think now. we can find like it's interesting. I think some of our listeners or uh, audience <clears throat> might be surprised that we have allies in unique places, mm-hmm. right? I think a JP Morgan is it was one of the largest corporations in the world, and last year they hired twenty one hundred people with criminal backgrounds. I think it was, it was three thousand. Don't on this. Oh, I don't like show them, it. All right, don't show, all right. It's in the it's in the report. <clears throat> okay. Jamie Diamond did a report. Okay, yeah. it, but several thousand people, yeah. right? And that was like ten to fifteen percent of everyone they hired globally. Um, and, and it's just really interesting to hear them talk about, you know, us, like people with, with criminal backgrounds, people with convictions, people who have been incarcerated and say, look, we know the value that people bring to our company and we're going to figure out, we're going to treat this group like seniors or college students and figure out a way that says, like, please let's work together. Come join our team and, and we'll work with our HR systems and assimilate people and understand what it means when somebody comes up and says, Hey, I got a probation officer I got to deal with. And that's not, you know, like well, some sort of red flag. And oh, like, by the way, know. let's not forget that sometimes the person with a record is probably the most thirsty person to have a job and probably one of the best workers you're ever going to get hands down. So Preach. I, 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 right. Yeah. Neil's a great worker. <laughs> Let me, let me ask you this. I don't know where we have in time, but I want to ask you, uh, Chelsea, what do you define success in the next five years for Florida around CJ reform? What do you want to see happen other than Desmond Mead get a pardon? What do you want to see happen <laughs> in Florida as far as our CJ system? Yes, I get that. Amen. And also I, I want change. I want to be able. We've had some great um, successes over the past few years, but I really want to to have folks that kind of come up to us that we randomly see across the halls and be like, "This impacted me. This was powerful." And it's not just something that happens and affects you know twenty, fifty people. I want to make sure that we're really genuinely affecting a lot of folks in Florida and touching lives. And I know a lot of that's gonna. We'll hear a lot of the the voices um, from from your folks and and what you guys have and and. Uh, so success is making sure that we've got folks that never come back into into the to the system and are thriving. That's success. Yeah, that's awesome. So let me let me ask you. You had you had mentioned something about parole, right? And 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 when I think of the kind of parole and parole changes, I think about how Florida just has such a large percentage of people who are facing life without parole. And, 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 and then we got rid of parole, right? So then it, it, it what compounds. Year we, what year did we get? Just so the audience, and I'm also learning too, because I remember, so 2001, there was a parole board because I worked mm-hmm. in classification. So what year? And maybe explain to people who don't know what parole is. Yeah, so let sure. me, let me, yeah, let me, uh, if we can throw that your your way, Chelsea, like talk to us a little bit about you've got a passion for kind of an issue that, uh, you know, and, and, and that's how we drive change is by educating people. 
So technically, we haven't had a formal parole board, parole system since 1983. Mm. Um, and, and we do have the Florida Commission on Offender Review, which was the former parole board. That was what it was renamed to. And they do offer community supervision parole for those that were convicted of crimes prior to 1983. Other than that, the FCOR kind of deals with clemency and other, um, you know, various things, conditional uh, medical release um, and, and other things like that. But we don't have any any sort of parole for those convicted of a crime prior to 1983. So long story short, I think that, in you know, granted, it would take some funding, um, but I think that, you know, sometimes you got to fund it to see some some return on your investment. And I think that that work in that direction might not only create some really great bridges for those coming back into society, but I think also for taxpayers, I think that there's a, a, a sense of supervision and, and a, a step down from prison to communities. So when you, so when you talk about parole, I think about an organization out of New York called RAP, um, who, who advocates for Asian prisoners. So just talk like we just talked about kind of the intersections around stuff. So we move some parole reform, right? Is I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, do do you know of an org that's working on Asian like people who are incarcerated who's a who are Asian trying to get them released? Is there an organization here in Florida doing that? I, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I haven't heard of that. But I do, but I do know there is a push for. It means there's a gap. Parole, parole, <laughs> parole reform generally, and I, I know that with 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 Chelsea's voice, uh, that that that's going to grow, um, right. Because it's another avenue, you know, to to help people get out. Right, but usually when you parole is folks who's been in there for a minute, right? So I'm imagining it, it is, we haven't had a parole board since 1983. There's, I mean. That's 41 years. I know that because I'm born in 82. That's the only yeah. reason why I could do that math so quickly. <laughs> There's tens of thousands of people in Florida prison system who face life without parole. Um, in many instances, you know, the idea that they get even more than 20, 30 year sentences is, is, is pretty crazy on its front. But but because of the constraints that we have, we're a total outlier as, in, in terms of the rest of the world right. uh, and, and definitely in terms of the rest of the country. If there's anyone listening to this podcast and you know of any organizations or advocates that advocate for um, Asian prisoners or people who are incarcerated, like hit up FRC, Right on Crime, or just Sheena, you know, I would love to hear because it seems like that's a little, that may be a gap or a, a gap area or area we should pay attention to as folks are moving forward to like do some good parole reform in the state because we don't want to have that gap we talked about people coming home and then no that's right yeah absolutely yeah so we're I mean are we near the end of the show we're, or is either I, we could seen, do like I'm, the halftime like what, Mary J Blige rendition me and Chelsea because we could go on about like you need, need a halftime show well look like we, we got a couple <laughs> minutes to go here I, I mean it is true like you know that what you guys are ladies in the CJR movement, right? Yeah. I mean, I, it, yeah. Let's talk about that real quick. Let me let me take these last yes. few minutes. Let, let 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 the women take over this piece right here, right? Excuse me, we're speaking. You're loving y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Chelsea and Sheena show. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um, Chelsea, I know how it is for like women in general. I mean, even tougher for black women in this space. But it's just tough for women in this space, right? Because for so much, like, 
I just tell you, when I came to Clean Slate, it was nothing but women leading this this movement, right? And for a long time, it was still women leading to, I recently hired, you know, a young, a young man, Avery. But a lot of times we are like in the forefront, we're, we're holding a lot of the water and just, what has been your experience where you had to like, have you had any like pivotal moments that you had to like just break through? I mean, not for you to put nobody on the spot or nothing, but where you are really caring and passionate and ideas and you ever felt like you just wasn't getting heard or the strategies or, or you may even just lift up where people have been really receptive to the work that you're doing and, and opened up doors for you. But I know sometimes it could be either or and just love to hear a little bit about, you know, your story. And that I think it's it's either it's either or I think that for the longest time it's been education 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 and and really trying to get to folks and I think some of it's breaking people down that they're just so tired of listening to you that they're probably going to listen to you some more but all of, at the end of the day I think that a lot of it has to do with just us being in the I'm not going anywhere I'm here <laughs> right you're gonna hear from me I care about this issue so you know, us women and you too, Neil, not. And, and do you, and do you lift up? So one thing, so let me tell you, when Desmond was going around, like talking about men before, he would always talk about one in three men, one in two black men, like, and I'll be in the back of the room saying the women, like until I became his heckler, the women, like, like talk about the women. So do you bring like the stories of other women? I know you bring yourself, but like women have been like a race from let me I just say it, from history, like the work that we do, right? Which often sometimes erased from that work, but also erased from the people who are impacted. Cause there are a lot of like women are the fastest rate of like incarceration, like people incarcerated. And we don't really talk about that. Do, do you find yourself like bring that up or bring that to the forefront or like, I try to always, I mean, in fact, one of the, the folks that we were talking about for the longest time is Cynthia Powell um, and, and her story. And so I, I found that just, tugged at all of my heartstrings. And so there's, I definitely try and it's not that I, I think of one rate or, or one gender over the other, but um, I, I do think that I hate to say it, but I think that women create a softer space for this. And like, you understand that, wait, what? We rule but, the world. I said, we rule the world. You could say it on here, Chelsea. I, I promise no one will say anything to you. They better not. <laughs> they better not. But I mean, I just, I hate to say it, but I think that we, we bring a softer side and there's a, a, a little bit of, of understanding that, that, that men don't necessarily bring to the table. So yeah, I, I agree that we, we, exactly. Yeah. And we also rule the world. Yeah. You know, I'm feeling empathy for this argument right now. Yeah. I, well, I just want to make sure that we're lifting, because let me just tell you, we have some, can I say kick-ass on here? You do. Okay. We have just some kick-ass women. One is Chelsea Murphy doing some stuff in the state. Um, and there are other women who are doing stuff and also who have authentic, genuine stories of why they're like in this movement or for whatever reason. And um, I just, you know, we just should just lift them up. And so, I mean, we are approaching... Um, Women's History Month. Mm -hmm. So I'm giving you your your flowers now, Chelsea. Shout out to you as we're opening up Women's Month um, in a few days and continue to do what you're doing up there on the hill in in Florida and also across the country that your voice is being heard throughout Right on Crime. And um, really excited to have a comrade in the CJ space that's that's fighting a good fight. Um, And however, I, Sheena, can be of assistance and of value to you to continue to do the work, let me know. I'm really excited to be able to engage with you. You know, I was like, well, it's kind of weird. I know she's my Twitter girl, but we never met. And now we're meeting on a podcast. So now we got to make it formal and do our After Dark podcast together and uh, yes. do drinks. 
So I like it. I like it. Hey, we've got I'm like here for it. And thank you for. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Neil. I just want to give her the the women are taking over for I a second. I want to give I'm her seeing. an extra shout out. I I love the work that you do. I am so excited to be on this. And Neil, thank you so much for for bringing bringing the old girl on. I'm so excited to be here, and um, you guys really are just impressive. Uh, you you guys have been doing the shout out. I had one last thing pop in my head because I think we have like three minutes. Something oh. that I know you're an advocate for. Uh, Chelsea, that I'm a believer in, and that is the concept that elected officials should be visiting prisons. Oh, I was going right? to ask that. I'm so glad you, I was going to yeah. actually ask that she visited a prison. Yeah, because because now that like the pandemic, right? Like we're coming out of and what, what whatever, right? I, I know everybody's got their opinions on masks and all that kind of stuff, but I I, I have seen firsthand the impact of that 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 movement, and I know that you pushed that for many years. What's like the tangible impact of uh, of us getting out there and encouraging every elected official to go visit prison? Oh, I, I, I think you're 100% right. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think that until folks, and especially if they don't have a loved one or a, a family member or a friend who has been impacted by the system, it doesn't matter. If you have a human heart, you go in and you go behind those those bars, you understand what it's like, you understand the, the stories, and, and you can't help but to think a little differently. Um, if you don't, you don't have a soul. Um, but uh, I, I, I think that it's it's really important. And, and it's funny you mentioned that the, the Florida Foundation for Correctional Excellence that I'd mentioned that the governor did, they were literally brought up today in their board meeting that they wanted all the board members to, yet again, they've already gone once, but they want everybody to continue to do it every quarterly to go and, and visit prisons. And it's just, it makes all the difference. I think that in order for you to be voting on these issues, you ought to, you ought to see what you're voting on. So I will say this in our last 40 seconds. I like that next time you're in a meeting, Chelsea, I, I want to challenge you to something. It's Please. going beyond the prison walls because we sometimes they forget those people come home. Mm. So when they visit the prison, I would love to work with you and FRC for us to put together a round table with returning citizens, people who have came home, people who have also arrest or convictions who may not have been incarcerated, but also talk about the barriers, like have a real up-close conversation about what, what is needed for them to be successful re-entering the community. So I want to leave that challenge to right on crime and FRC together and how we could do some stuff. Challenge accepted. Okay. I like it. Ch- I was about to say challenge accepted. <laughs> challenge accepted. All right. All so- right. We did that just right here. This is good stuff. Yeah. All right. I love All it. Right. Well, Chelsea, I love thank that. you so much for being on the show tonight, uh, today, uh, whenever you're watching. I'm still working on not yeah. saying things like, like it were the evening or were during the day. Yeah. But I just want to say thank you so much, Chelsea, for what you do, uh, for taking some time to be with our audience and, and celebrating our voice. And uh, thank you, Sheena. No problem. Next time we do this in person with Chelsea, I like that. Yeah. All right. Yes. From Tallahassee. Yes. I would love that. All right. All right. Enjoy your evening. You know that we are the voice.